This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora tato e te whanau, ko Justin Gregory Aho, and along with Bruce Hopkins, I produce The Long Way Home, but let's be honest, Bruce does the hard bit. And as you know, he's done it. He's made it all the way to Bluff and to the end of Te Araroa. And just like he promised he would, he carried his father and brother's ashes back home all the way to Rakiura, Stewart Island. And all you can say about that is, well done, that man. Namihi nui. But we didn't want to leave it just there, so we've put together a special episode to properly say haere rā. It's a, it's a bit of a best of, really. Some of the most memorable moments of Bruce's trek along to Aotearoa. Now, this episode will probably be just what you imagine it to be. Bruce hurting himself a lot and losing stuff along the way. And there's that, certainly. But there's other stuff too. There's the things he's seen, the people he's met, and the many special things that happened along the way. Bruce himself will also weigh in from time to time. So, let's start at the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start. Te Araroa is New Zealand's long pathway. It connects each end of the country, Bluff and Cape Reinga. My initial reaction on hearing it about it was that I wanted to do it to connect me to this land and when I saw that Tauraroa existed, even though I'm not a tramper, I just felt that's the missing link. Uh, the tramp covers a huge variety of beaches, forests, mountains, and it includes many major river crossings. So it's a huge challenge to me, and it will take me about five months. It took a little bit longer than five months, but we'll, we'll get to that. I will carry some of my father and brother's ashes. They've both passed away. So I'll be walking them home to Stewart Island from Cape Reinga, where we used to be cray fishermen. Bruce began walking in November 2017, and the night before, he was as nervous as all giddy-up. I do not think I've ever felt this amount of nerves before a theatre show, before anything else I've ever done. Starting to... <laughs> feel way too real. But once he got underway heading south from Cape Reinga, Bruce began to enjoy himself and to meet some people. So here we are. Um, and uh, I saw the other day a, a cyclist along the far end of Te Oniroa Tohe, 90 mile, and here's the second one. And you are loaded up, mate. How long have you been going? This is John Kiwi. He's biking along 90 mile beach. I've uh, been on the road two and a half months uh, from Nelson up to Cape Reinga, back down to Bluff, and then back up to Nelson. Serious? So, so you're doing, you'll do twice the length I'll of the do country? twice the length of the country. Um, yep, 2,284 k so far. So, yeah, it'll be double that, pretty much. Later that day, Phyllis was his first introduction to the wonderful folk known as Trail Angels. 
So just collecting some puppies today as the kids are hungry for them and going to make a soup and some fry bread. Just thought you'd want to feed. Yeah, thank you so much. Eh? Like that, I think that officially makes you what's called a trail angel, Phyllis. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Yeah. Is that kind of the spirit of the north, you reckon, the far north? I'd say so. A lot of people like to give. Yeah. Do you do uh, do you do fritters at all? P- pippy oh, fritters. Yeah. Pippy fritters. Yeah. Soups. Raw. They love them raw. Yeah. Garlic butter. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, Phyllis. Honestly, that was so cool of you to come and uh, ask us if we wanted pippies. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome, and I wish you the best of luck on your journey. Further south, Bruce met Darylin, who has a message for all of us. I used to be marathon fit um, four years ago and I got hit with a lung disease, um, a non-smoker who'd done everything right in life and um, now at end of life stuff and so um, my message to everyone is to just enjoy life when you can and get out there and do everything so today we were delighted to meet somebody here who we had seen and was doing just that and doing it for a really good cause. So, um, yeah, so just look after yourselves, people, and, and do all the good things in life and enjoy every day because it sure matters. OK, bye. And in here there were these two hard case characters. So who am I talking to here? Lennox. Machiavelli. Machiavelli, nice. So you guys fishing off the Waitangi Bridge here? Yeah. Yeah, you have a bit of luck sometimes, you reckon? Yeah. Yes. Well, what's the best fish you've ever caught, Machiavelli? Um, probably a thirty-pound kingy. Serious, off here? Not off here. Oh, wicked. What do you, what do you fellas want to do when you, you know, leave um, school and all that stuff? Oh, uh, really? I just want to fish. What about you, Machiavelli? I don't know yet. I know a lot about cars and stuff for my age, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a fish, okay? okay. I reckon. Like... Oh, I got a fish! Oh! Oh! Uh, oh. Shut up. Uh, I reckon. <laughs> I got a fish here! But almost as soon as he began walking, Bruce started losing things. On the second night at. Uh... Maunganui Bluff, got there, hot, just absolutely knackered, went down, had a swim, had a soak in the, in the Tasman, it was beautifully cold, came back, Ute pulls up, bloke hops out, asks us if we want a beer, so yep, for sure we want a beer, so then he offers some rum, so I have a rum, I don't, I'm not even a drinker of rum, of course, keep bearing in mind, I've had eight crackers and a bit of cheese to eat through the day. That was it. No breakfast. Rum goes straight to the head. Another rum. Yeah, oh, cool. Top it up, top it up. Why don't you come and stay back at my, my, with my wife and myself? So I do. Don't really remember much after the car trip. Wake up the next morning feeling fine. I walked the beach 30 kilometres that day. And I also realised that I haven't got my ponamu. I'm not wearing my ponamu that my daughter had given me just before I left to come on the, the trail. I was like, oh, man, what have I done with that? <clears throat> I get to uh, destination that day, hook a teri, search through all my gear, no ponamu. Oh, man, gutted. And I'd lost my trail notes and, and the uh, maps as well. 
Now, just to clarify, the reason I got offered rum was because Ron, who had the pig dogs and the, had pulled up in the ute, when he heard what I was doing, taking my father's ashes, who's your father? Bill Hopkins. Bill was my mate. So Ron lived not far from Hohori. He lived at Steed's store corner. Uh, and so he then invited me home to stay with him and his wife and one of his workers brought me back to the start of the trail where I'd finished that day the next morning. So, yeah, so that's why the rum came out. It wasn't just, I wasn't, you know, <laughs> I don't ask people if, I, if I've, they've got anything from the top shelf, you know. <laughs> a beer will do. So I get to Opur like a week later. Bruce, we, we know you as now since uh, a few days, and uh, what we have uh, already known from you is that you keep losing your stuff. But, um, as we say, that to good people, some things are coming back. Mark and Amber, you are like my Rataya Forest, Herakino Forest. But there's another thing you you've lost. What did you, what did you lo lose on the trail? I sold my soul. I didn't lose no. that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> my Panamu. Your Panamu? No. Really? No. Are you serious? No. Someone found it. Ah. Oh, you serious? <laughs> and they, honestly, I had tears in my eyes. That was an incredibly emotional moment. It was just so bloody wonderful. It was just, it's the trail speaking again. <laughs> it, was, it was such a joyous occasion. As we said earlier, in a small red pouch, Bruce was carrying the ashes of his father and brother back to their home on Rakiura Stewart Island. But on a rest day when he was in Auckland disaster struck. Somewhere along the line, I have lost the pouch. I distinctly, I can visualise taking the microphone out of it, looking at the camera, thinking I don't need that. So I so thought I had left it here, where my little hobbit hole. But it's not here. It's not at the New World supermarket. It's not at the Ralph's Cafe where we went, where Gracie and I went. It's not at Chris and Felicity's. So I have lost my father and brother's ashes. It's just, man, it's the ugliest of feelings. And someone did point out to me, they said, well, you know, you still carry them in your heart. So, and <laughs> my father and brother would love that even more. Oh, bloody beauty. Here you carry this in your heart, mate. Oh, oh, excellent. <laughs> Cynical old buggers they were. I just had another stroke of genius, but a bit late now. Should have, should have shut up about losing my father and brother's ashes. Bought the very same pouch, which I have. Just carried on with the walk. Got another couple of those little film canisters. Some blue tape for one, some black tape for the other. And just carried on. Got a bit of the roadkill that I've been coming across. Burned that up. Put the ashes in the containers. Bob's your... Mother's sister's brother. And uh, I would have been home and hose. No one would have been the wiser down the Stewart Island. They wouldn't. I don't think my cousin Colin or my cousin Alan or cousin Elaine, I don't think they know what Doug or Dad's ashes smell like. Like They'd, they'd never know the difference. Auntie Bitter, I don't think she would. Mum wouldn't. My sisters wouldn't. Would have got away with it. But now I don't think that little thing that's going to be around my, it's like the albatross around my neck. 
losing your bloody father and brother's ashes. It's starting to gain a little comedic uh, take on it as the days go by. But it'll be one that sticks with me for a long time until I become ashes, I think. Some more real ashes were found and Bruce put them in his pack. He never did solve the mystery of where the ashes went to, but crossing the dangerous Richmond Ranges a few months later, he did solve another mystery. It's not a less important one. It's just different. When I was climbing Mount Rintoul with the scree and uh, hanging onto cliffs that you knew you were a goner if you didn't hang on to the bloody things, during that time, I actually had a fair bit of flatulence just every now and then. I would, and I was like, why am I suddenly needing to do that? And my theory is, that's what the smell of fear is. It's your smell of fear. When you're facing moments that are fearful, you cut the cheese, and that's your smell of fear, unique to you. So problem solved, we can put that one away, all right? Yeah, tick that one off your list. What is the smell of fear? But walking 3,000 Ks, well, it ain't no joke. I want to nominate my toes for an award. I want to nominate my feet for awards and my legs. I'm not sure if I want to nominate me, though. I th I'm th this could be a form of idi idiocy. Freaking hell. A few days later, Bruce slipped on a rock at Bream Head and gashed his shin. Dr McLean, here we are, Whangarei Hospital. So what's, what's happening here with the injured tramper? Well, you injured your calf from um, hitting yourself with your uh, uh, tramping stick and it's got all red and because you walked on it for another six hours um, it just hasn't healed and now you've got an infection in the fatty tissue under the skin. So that's why it's all red from beginning of your ankle to the beginning to the, the beginning of your knee, so almost all of your calf. It's um, not a serious case and I don't think you need intravenous antibiotics, but you do need um, tablets. So you wouldn't really be able to, I don't believe, work, walk until you've rested for a good few days, maybe four or five days. The trouble with these infections is they can get worse um, if you continue to wait bearing on them. So Bruce, you want to set the record straight here a little bit, don't you? Yeah, a couple of clarifications <laughs> here. Because me hitting myself with my hiking pole kind of makes me seem like a real dork. I was only partial, dog. I actually <laughs> slipped on jellyfish and seaweed on the beach. I put my left foot down, it went out like ice, and my shin went down on both my hiking poles with, of course, the weight of the pack on my back. So it, it drove my shin onto the hiking poles. Not needing intravenous? Wish I had, of intra had intravenous because it took two courses of antibiotics to clear up. I, had, I was laid up for two and a half weeks because the first course didn't work. So, uh, yeah, wish I had of pushed on the intravenous for the antibiotics to clear, clear that up. I uh, really have no idea what time it is. It's Sunday, Sunday morning, the 5th of November. I'm just wondering, is this thing getting any better? Every night I lie in bed, I, I, get, I end up having headaches. So just consuming water, but what that equates to as well as I have to get up and I have to go to the bathroom 
probably four or five times a night. I can hardly walk when I get up each time. In fact, I've been going to the bathroom sometimes. I do the scoot along on my backside, just put my legs on the ground and use my hands to push myself along, lift myself, deposit myself, lift myself, deposit myself, lift myself, deposit myself. My friends Mike and Mari, they popped in, brought supplies, and tomorrow, today, a friend of mine, Terry, is gonna pop around. My mate Joe. Man, it's a, yeah. It's pretty bloody humbling. I just, and I don't, I don't, I'm trying not to place, uh, you know, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not placing an expectation on the fact that I, I now must do this to pay them back. But it, uh, it helps feed my desire to achieve my goal. Many weeks later, the scree slopes and the steep descents of Waio Pass took their toll on his left knee. Uh, this is about 50k from Hanma Springs. And I have a dilemma. My bloody knee, my left knee is really protesting now. It's, uh, it's telling me it's over it. So I really don't know what, quite what to do. This is day eight from Santana, where I stayed for four days to let the swelling of the knee go down. And it's, yeah, unless I feel myself full of painkillers, then uh, it's just pretty, especially descending, but even walking on the flat now, I can feel it a bit. More delays mean later finish, which get me right in towards winter. I'm happy, happy to do that, but it's just gonna be a, a real trial. Hey, bloody hell. Come on, man, what's going on? Smash the shin, cut out the cancer. Now this bloody thing. Yep, you heard that right, cancer. Te Araroa may have saved Bruce's life. In December, his urine turned bloody and then black. He thought he was just dehydrated from the hot days of walking. But a scan showed a cancerous mass in his bladder, so it was off to the surgeon. So here we are. Um, I have no idea what time it is, but uh, I've... I actually love general anaesthetic. <laughs> it's such a bizarre feeling. So um, I have woken up. I've been wheeled back into my room. Starting to feel like I would like to have my first post-op pee. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But it's all over. There you bloody go. Let's wait for the result. Uh, morning, Mr. Hopkins. Well, it all went very well, and we found in the in the bladder one small superficial bladder cancer, and that's been completely removed, um, which is good news. The main thing is that it was just on the surface layer of the bladder and had not gone through the wall. So this this sort of a thing is a nuisance and it can recur. 
It's a bit like gorse, but it's no threat to you. <laughs> I've got gorse inside. Okay. Well, that's what we think. We have to wait for the uh, for the lab results to come back to make sure that it is just a slow-growing type rather than an aggressive type. Right. But it's definitely just on the surface and it is not invasive. So you you know you, you're going to be fine to carry on your journey. Phew. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much, mate. Pleasure. I'll um, I'll shake your hand on that one. <laughs> Bruce, cancer still all gone? Uh, I haven't had a chance to do the follow-up checkup, which was scheduled for time that I'm I was still on trail. So now I'm back. Uh, I'll be getting a an appointment to check that out. I, I certainly didn't get any of the symptoms again. I didn't get the hematuria, which is the the blood in the urine. So none of that showed up. And I, I definitely allowed myself to get a bit dehydrated. And I, I did some 12 hour days again after that. So yeah, I was, I was checking out for it. And like I say, none of the symptoms recurred. I, I said at the start of that, that Tartaro may have ch- uh, saved your life because it made the symptoms really clear. So you had to go and check it out. Does that feel mm. like a fair thing to say to you? Yeah, I think so. I think um, it's, it's similar to the fact that I had open heart surgery just over two years ago. They didn't open up my heart, but they opened up my chest and cut my ascending aorta off my heart because just through a series of circumstances, that sh- a scan showed that I had this aneurysm above my heart. And it's the same kind of thing, just a series of symptoms have led to some investigation which led to the discovery of, of a, a particular condition. So, yeah, definitely I think... Um, would have got worse if uh, if those symptoms hadn't shown up if I hadn't been doing Tararoa, pushing myself to that limit. Ah, this is the life. I could spend my life in post-operative layup. It's a perfect excuse to watch Netflix. But, you know, because there was someone going to come in and go, oh, come on, Bruce, you're watching too much TV. It's like, hey, I just had cancer cut out of me. Give me a break. I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding out of the penis, you know? Surely I deserve a little respite. It's like if you, they had told me that when I left school, that here's what lies in your future, Bruce. Then I might have given up just back then. But no, I was a good head prefect. No, I wasn't. The, I was a shit head prefect, actually. I, was, I think the, possibly the worst head prefect Takapuna Grandma has ever had, or will ever have. I was captain of the first 15 at the same time. How much responsibility can a 17-year-old take on? They loaded me up with too much. That's what blew me out. That's why I've never amounted to anything. Cancer-free, Bruce got back into his mahi. And in early 2018, he reached his first big milestone, the end of the North Island leg. One motu down, one to go. What a buzz. Here I am at Wellington. This is the end point. This is the can marking Tauraroa. There's the uh, little park there. And there's the vista the end of the North Island. So, yeah, Tararoa, North Island. Two. And a few weeks later, he finished the last of the three big challenges, Waio Pass. Little did I know there were way more than three big challenges. There were ones that just weren't known as big challenges. Takitimu Forest, for one. Uh, where's the, the Mototapu Track, for another. Yeah. Stody, getting to Stody Hut. Oh my goodness, out of Ohau. Ay, ay, ay. However. However. Oh man, I honestly, 
I can't, I can't really express because I've been, I'm not freaked out, I've been using the word freaked out or something, but it's more just anxious as hell. Having not been a tramper, having trained, studied up about this trail, Tararua's in the North Island, Richmond Range and Waio Pass, got some big stuff to come, but they are the three. And it's a toss-up, pretty much, when people comment about what's the hardest part of Tararoa. And it's between those three. And as of today, I've done them all. It's a buzz. It's a real, real buzz. Doesn't mean I'm getting turned on to tramping. I don't know. I don't know. But I certainly do understand that I have been privileged through putting the effort in I've been privileged to experience magnificence Bruce you weren't just doing to Araroa to take your father and brother's ashes back home to Rakiora, Stewart Island you're also doing it to raise money for grandparents raising grandchildren how the fundraising go? Uh, it was pretty cool actually it's, I think it's around close to 20 grand but they also got some through the website so it's probably closer to 24 grand or so which is kind of half what I had hoped for I get to finish Tararoa. I come back and have a rest. They don't get a rest. They're raising their grandchildren, and they're like 70 years old. They're in their late 60s, 70s. These people have no break from this now. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see that get up more than it is. We're going to leave it. They give a little page, The Long Way Home, open until the end of this month. On May 8, 2018, Bruce made it to the famous signpost at Bluff, the official end of Te Araroa. Trail founders Jeff Chappell and Miriam Beetson were there waiting for him with some wisdom on how to re-enter the real world. It's a little bit bittersweet when you know it's going to come to an end, frankly. The last few days before you make it, bittersweet is the word, because you're kind of locked into it and you would like to keep going, you know. But when you actually do it, you think, right, this is it. You put a hand on that signpost and your feet more or less lift off the ground and it is joyous it is joyous yeah 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 i think uh, he'll find that he misses it because it's a great big simple enterprise that you the sun comes up in the morning you, you know you pack your gear you look around make sure you do the idiot check as we call it uh, nothing's missing and off you go and you really don't have anything to do all day except put one foot in front of another and let your mind go because it's quite meditative and then, you know, towards the end of the afternoon, uh, find a, a hut in the South Island or a campsite in the north and, uh, and settle down, you know, and that's your life. And it's a great, big, simple thing that you do. And you get locked into the natural world. Just, it just happens that you do. Like before I arrived, I can remember out in Waterloo Valley, which is, um, you know, it's about probably about 30, 40 k's from here, Hearing the wind at night coming across the beech forest, like a wave, you could hear it coming across, you know, this, this wilderness, really. And then it passed over the top of me and went off into the distance. I just thought, boy, I'm going to miss this. You know, it was like that. <laughs> but I know we were here with two trampers from overseas when they finished, and they spent, must have been two hours at this signpost, 
taking photos, posing, lying down, jumping, looking up, holding the post, doing everything they could think of. They couldn't bear it to finish. Mm. And the Dutch guy said to the Israeli guy, we're just civilians now. Was Jeff right about the simplicity of each day? Absolutely, yeah, and the and the joy. Um, I'm already starting to go, wow, man. And I was doing it as I came to the conclusion. It was as he was talking about. I was starting when I came out of the mountains into the sort of Southland area. I was already starting to be aware that, oh man, I'm not going to be seeing these mountain peaks and valleys and and slogging, pushing my body to these limits. Which, although at the time, you know, you're going, ah, oh, I want this to be over. Boy, that's, I'm going to miss that stuff. And the two, I said magnificence in there, and I started using the word majestic. And in a way, it's both of them. So I'm, gonna, I'm really going to ma- miss the magnificence of the majesty of what I got to be present to in the environments I was in. <laughs> the man, the man himself. No, wow. you're the man. Wow. You're the man. <laughs> no, he did it, he did it, he did it. Yeah. Well, actually, no, you haven't touched the post. <laughs> Why don't you get on the post there, Bruce? Oh, I'm coming for a big hug with you. This is the Stewart Island Cemetery. So as you come up the road here, there's a bunch of plaques that are just here with the, uh, you know, for the people who are not, in fact, buried here. But um, where, are we? where are we? So my old man, there he is, in memory of Bill William Raymond Hopkins, 28th September 1927, 9th October 2007. Remember, with love by his family, Wife Co, Doug, Lindley, Wanda, Bruce and their families. So he passed away in Kaitaia Hospital. We were with him. I was holding his hand, actually, when he died. I, I have spoken to them. I've spoken to them a few times. You know, just, just um, expressed sort of, uh, come on, fellas, let's keep going, let's keep going, man. Let's get, get down to the island. Uh, you know, so, yeah, they've, they've been in my heart and my mind. So you. This is what it's all about, eh? Yeah, yeah. Fenua, Fakapapa, Fano. Yeah, that's the one. So they're home. They're back here now. Cool. Good on you, Bruce. Bruce is back home in Auckland now. He's looking for a job and for the next thing to do. But we're not worried about him because we know his motto. Teararoa! <laughs> Relentless, <laughs> brutal, and majestic. Well, yeah, there's that one. But I was thinking more of these words. <laughs> Onward, upward, forever forward. The Long Way Home is produced by Bruce Hopkins and Justin Gregory and Adam McCauley. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. The engineers have been Jeremy Ansell, Jeremy Veal, Rangi Powick, Blair Stagpole, Jana Witter and Claude Vores. 
Subscribe to every episode of The Long Way Home podcast at Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're there, please rate us. That way more people get to hear these stories. Now, this is the very last episode of The Long Way Home, but it doesn't have to be the end of the conversation. Bruce has just loved all your emails, tweets and texts, so feel free to keep on talking to him. He's on Twitter at Bruce Hop, or you can get him by email at thelongwayhome at radionz.co.nz. But, for the last time, this is The Long Way Home. Whenua, whakapapa, Fano. Thanks for following us. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.